the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. I'm Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for the 93.9 KPDQ-FM Network, AM 860 The Answer, KPAM, AM 1640 The Patriot, 93.1 El Rey, 104.1 The Fish, and of course, True Talk 800, where today's guest served as Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Portland, and weekday afternoon host of Revive at 4 p.m. So welcome, Terry McNabb, now of Poyman Ministries. How are you today, my friend? Hi, Mike. I am doing great and uh, anxious to get back to a, a normal life, whatever that's going to look like after this lockdown uh, eases up. But thank you for having me on the program. And I am excited just to speak with you about what uh, the Lord is doing at this time. Well, between racial unrest and the coronavirus closures, Terry, if there's anyone I wanted to call on to bring the peace of God to our audience, it would be Terry McNabb. So how are you holding up with all of this going on today? And have you ever experienced an era like this one? Well, how am I holding up? I am like uh, a lot of people. I am just uh, just tired of being home and social distancing, and it has been great to be with my family and uh, spend more time there, but looking forward to getting out and getting active with ministry and other business I do in real estate. When I look back on history and church history, what this whole thing reminds me of is it just takes me back to the 60s, the social unrest, the violence that was taking place in the 60s. And while it feels absolutely out of control, what we know is Romans 8.28, that God is able to take all things and work them together for good. And by the end of the 60s, people saw that the only answer to society's uh, questions and needs was Jesus. And a major revival broke out that was called the Jesus Movement. And, uh, you know, America sees major revival about every 50 years. And I am praying for that to happen in our country, for things to really change, and for America to seek the Lord. I'll agree with you on that, Terry. So what is your definition of revival? Well, when I think of the 60s, I think of thousands and thousands of people coming to Jesus. And what they wanted was just that simple relationship with Jesus. What I think of, first of all, is our churches experiencing revival inwardly, that uh, so often we need to be revived and and wakened up into a fresh relationship with of the Lord. And uh, I pray for our churches, for our pastors, and that is my ministry with Poyman Ministries, is to minister to pastors. 
And I know from the 23 years that I served as a senior pastor, and now the many, many pastors that I speak with in different situations, that the ministry can be such a blessing, but as well, the weekly routine of ministry can cause a fatigue. And so I just pray for reviving and refreshing of all of our churches and pastors so that there is a fresh work of God and and a, a readiness to receive people who might be coming into the churches. Many of our listeners know you from your radio program, Revive. Others know you from Calvary Chapel, Portland, on Wilshire Street, which was the host site of Operation Christmas Child drop-off trailers at one point, and also did wonderful events with our stations, including the Sidewalk Prophets concert and Secret Keeper Girl, which is now True Girl Mother Daughter events. So, Terry, now that you've stepped out of the senior pastor role for a little while, can you tell us what you're doing at Poyman Ministries, what exactly Poyman Ministries does, and your perspective since then? Well, you know, I could have just continued as the pastor at Calvary Chapel, Portland. Um, I wasn't really ready to officially retire, but I felt like the Lord was calling me to use those years of experience to serve other pastors. And what I learned over the years is just how much and how many times I needed to speak to an older, experienced senior pastor to talk about the things that I was going through, struggling with either personally or in the church. And what I do now, Poyman means uh, shepherd or pastor, and we're a group of 11 senior pastors who have retired from churches in six in our 60s and 70s. And we have 20, 30 plus years of ministry each. And we're just desire so much to have an opportunity to be able to strengthen other pastors. And because we have been there, we have been through it. We understand both the great blessing of being in the ministry but as well, we can talk about the burden that it is. Burden not in a bad sense, but a burden in the sense of the weight of responsibility is great. It is a great weight of responsibility, and really in a good sense, because we are caring for the lives of so many people, and that has an effect on us to create a fatigue and an isolation that needs to be attended to. So, Terry, from your senior pastor days at Calvary Chapel, Portland, did you ever find periods where it was difficult for you to turn off the role of pastor and taking home the problems of the many people in your congregation and on your staff and those around you? Well, absolutely, and that's really the nature of the the ministry and the position of the senior pastor is that you never are able to turn it off. Um it's interesting, like I think of other occupations where one of my hobbies was building furniture. And it was interesting. I would always start a project and I could finish it and bring it into my house or take it to somebody else's house. And there was always a sense that I finished a project. And one of the the difficulties of ministry is it never feels like you're finished. 
it's always, always open-ended. Whether you're at the church, at your office, at home, driving around your own city, doing errands on a day off, you, you always feel that sense of a responsibility for people. And that is, is something that is just the nature of the ministry. And, uh, you know, we don't often talk about it. And I think, uh, again, that's the one of the things that is good for, for pastors to acknowledge. And sometimes we tend to over-spiritualize everything. Like if I just prayed more, or if I was just more spiritual, um, I would be exempt from the exhaustion, the emotional exhaustion of ministry. But that's not really true. It just is the nature of, of serving people and caring so much for people. So where do you think that concept comes from? Because it sounds very works-based instead of faith-based, Terry. Is it an internal human flaw? Do you think it's maybe institutional? I'll give you an example why. I was chatting with a dad who went to one of the top theological colleges in the country, and he refused to name it because he didn't want to throw them under the bus. But what he told me was his firsthand experience led him to believe that if he did not become a senior pastor or work for a church or a ministry full-time, then he was wasting his gifts. So he started off being a pastor for about six months and eventually stepped down, and he got a job in information technology, after which point he got really good at it. He became a manager, and I'll argue that it's marketplace ministry, and he's touching people at the office that perhaps never would have stepped foot in a church building. So I don't see it as failing his calling to be a pastor as much as God had a different place for him to be. So do you think a lot of pastors have that misunderstanding in their head that they've got to be good at running a church, otherwise they're failing God or they're not trying hard enough? Well, I, I think you touched on two very, very important things. And one is, is are you really called into the ministry? And we use that, that term calling a lot. But to me, it just means, did the Lord personally tell you to go be in the ministry, whatever that ministry is. And I always think of how Jesus spoke to the apostles before the cross there in John's gospel. I think it was John 15. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. And I think the Lord chooses us. And of course, we respond and we we choose to to accept that calling but it's not an occupation, and the, the enabling of God to do the ministry and to do it well is really the supply that comes with his calling. If he didn't call us, then nobody should try and make themselves become a senior pastor or any position. But really, I think God calls every Christian, every believer, to some type of ministry. Um, and so the, the excitement is to discover what that is, not to for you to decide what that should be and try and convince God to let you do it or convince others to let you do it. It's really a discovery of God's purpose for your life. 
And I think if you're not doing what God called you to do, then there is there is a struggle and a striving that you will never find rest from because you shouldn't be doing that ministry. But the second thing you talked about was this sense that I have to make this amazing. I have to make this work. And I think that is one of the things that I run across a lot when I speak to pastors is on on in a good sense there's this tremendous sense that I want to be faithful in the ministry. I want to do well. I want to work hard. But the downside of that, uh, if we can take it too far, is this sense that if I am faithful, then this church will grow. And that is the legalism part that you talked about. And so our faithfulness has to be out of dependence on the Lord not out of a sense that we are going to make it happen. Of course, we have to be faithful. We have to work hard, just like the shepherd watches his sheep, just like the farmer works his field. But still, it's the Lord that causes the growth. It's the Lord that causes the growth. And that sometimes that over-exaggerated sense of, of uh, work and work and work causes pastors to not know when to rest. And uh, that is that is something that pastors struggle with, is knowing when and how to rest in order to balance out this sense of, of work, 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 that I have to make this happen. That's a great observation, Terry. With the racial and social unrest that we're seeing today, It's easy to look at the younger generation and be scared to death. And at the same time, we've got a lot of fired up younger Christians who aren't satisfied with the status quo. And that excites me. They're being fueled toward what? I don't quite know yet. But if you were speaking to a younger Christian right now, when it comes to finding calling, discerning where God is calling you to be, what would you say? Well, I would say, uh, ask all the questions that you want to ask about the injustices of life, the the inequities of our systems. And again, there there really is a parallel between the millennial generation that is wanting social justice and the 60s, where they were interested in social justice and peace and love. And... The end result, well, they they never found the answer um, in social justice and the things of the 60s. And I would say the same is now. The the answer to what you want of equality and justice and fairness is found in Jesus. That's first of all. Find a relationship with Jesus. and, And to know, well, how do I find out what he has called me to do? is really there is going to be a, a, a trial period where you go investigate and try things that are exciting to you to do, whether it's in the church or out in the community, in an occupation, whatever it is. Um, ministry, like you said, Mike, is not all in the church. It's everywhere around us. It's raising our kids. It's doing well at a job. 
It is, uh, a, you know, a, a food bank. It's all kinds of things. So ministry is more than uh, just a couple of narrow ideas. So there's going to be some years of going and investigating, trying different things. And what you want to see is what is it that makes you excited? What is it that bears fruit in your life? Those are two things that are important. What is it that gives you strength when you do it rather than just wear you out? And what is it that seems to constantly bear fruit and good results in your life when you go do it? Terry McNabb is with Poyman Ministries, pastors serving pastors so that those pastors can serve their churches better. Terry's specialties are pastor counseling, encouragement, and perspective, plus leadership duties and decades of experience. And you can find out more about Poyman Ministries at poymanministries.com, which I'll link up to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. When we return with Terry McNabb, let's talk about some of the common pressures and struggles that pastors and ministry leaders go through on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. Mike Lee here with Terry McNabb. He served for more than 23 years as the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel, Portland, and now he works with Poyman Ministries. So, Terry, thanks so much for spending time with us today, especially with all the turmoil going on in today's world. But thankfully, you're helping people out. You're helping out churches by helping out their pastors through Poyman Ministries with your team of experienced pastors. So now that you've stepped back off the front lines and have been able to help out so many different churches up and down the West Coast that I know of, at least, can you share what common pressures and struggles we need to be aware of in our pastors and our ministry leaders? Well, when I look back on my years of pastoring Calvary Chapel, Portland, there were things that I struggled with, as as every pastor does, and I tended to think that if I was only a little more spiritual, if I had more experience, if I prayed more, I wouldn't have those struggles. And now I know it's really just the nature of the ministry and the position. And even now that I speak with a lot of pastors and our group within our ministry, our 11 pastors, we are speaking with hundreds of pastors. We meet with elders and boards of directors and we start to see a pattern that is so comforting in a sense, the things that all pastors struggle with, and you realize it's the nature of the position and the ministry, the incredible weight of responsibility. But some of the common struggles are, one is just a sense of isolation. Pastors start to feel alone in the ministry. You know, it's easy to say, well, you just need to go meet with more pastors. You need to get out. And uh, there may be some truth to that, but many, many pastors feel alone in carrying the weight of the responsibility. And it's hard to know what to do with it. Do I pray more? Who do I talk to? We don't want to go and be complaining to other pastors about the ministry and you know, as my pastor had trained me for ministry, he would say, God forbid that we should ever 
complain against the ministry that God has given to us. But I think it's important for pastors to understand it. There just is that sense of isolation, of feeling alone in the weight of the responsibility. That's just part of the ministry. Um, Another occupational hazard is really the routine of running the church. Year after year after year, the routine of running the organization of the church can start to just uh, become more focused on running the organization than in pursuing the main thing that God called us to do. There's the next event. There's the next uh, thing, events to come up in the summer. Then we're into the holidays. Um, and often when I talk to a discouraged pastor, I will say, now, tell me if God really called you to the ministry. Uh, and they will say yes and tell me their testimony. And I'll say, now, the second question is, why did God call you to the ministry? What is the one thing that God put in your heart to do as a senior pastor? And often they just look at me like, well, what do you mean? I'll say, what, what is your vision for this church? And surprisingly, there is often uh, a lack of vision. Now, there are things that he wants to do or see for his church, But when I say, what is it that God put in your heart to do, they have forgotten it. It's been often set aside for the sake of building an organization or responding to problems. That's another occupational problem, is I'm I'm spending more time responding to things rather than leading the people somewhere. So isolation, a lack of vision— that legalism that we talked about, you know, we double down and we say, well, I will make this work. I will be faithful, God, and I will show that I am willing to make the sacrifice. And and that that faithfulness out of balance can be detrimental. And all of this adds up to a fatigue that is emotional and even physical that sets into the ministry. And once that happens, it's hard for a pastor to know how to get out of it because it is this, even this physical weight or emotional weight that becomes a trap. And often I will say, well, you know, one pastor I talked to, I said, well, you know, when was the last time you had a vacation? And he told me the story that he had planted the church five years before, earlier. He works a full-time job, and he had not had a Sunday off in five years. And now you might say, well, that's unusual. We take, we take you know, vacations, but many pastors will take two Sundays off, and they're studying for when they get back. So they're never taking time off. And I think one of the greatest things a pastor can do for his ministry is to take time away, to take a break, and not be preparing for ministry. Um, And it's actually good for the church for the pastor to leave town and let others in the church, other men in the church, preach 
and especially young men. Um, and a side effect of pastors not taking time off is that they don't have Timothys that they are training in the church. And so then they say to me, well, I have no one to help me. I have no one to preach for me if I take a Sunday off. Well, that is in some way uh, a byproduct of not giving other men in the church an opportunity to preach the word. So we have to share the work, and we have to let the church pick up the workload and feel the weight of their responsibility so the pastor can take a break. Uh, There are other struggles that pastors have, but those are the most common ones that we see, and they are universal in the ministry. Does that mean that this doesn't only apply to Calvary Chapel pastors, but to pastors of churches of any denomination or any size? Absolutely. You know, Calvary pastors don't own the patent on this set of struggles. And we get called to help pastors in with other groups as well. And I work with pastors outside of Calvary Chapel. And, you know, the more we get out and speak to more and more pastors, we realize how much we're, how much more we're alike than we are different. You know, each group, we like to think, well, we, we have our own strengths, but we, we are so much alike in our responding to the Lord's calling for ministry, feeling this great weight of responsibility to be faithful to it. And just the sometimes the exhaustion or the fatigue that can come with it. So it is universal just to that role of serving people. One of the best compliments I think a pastor could have would be when the pastor's kids say, Dad was exactly the same at home as he is behind the pulpit, which is at least what your daughter, Lauren McNabb Franco, says. So, Terry, good job on your part, which is not to say that you and Catherine were perfect parents, but it's got to be tough to be able to be consistent. And you've done so very well. And you certainly have a legacy that follows in your footsteps to prove it. So, well done, Terry McNabb. And I'm grateful to have you as a friend, also as a mentor, and someone I know is affecting this world positively whether it's as a grandparent or as a real estate agent or helping churches through Poyman Ministries. So, Terry, I've got to ask you, are there certain aspects that are non-negotiable that every Christ-following church ought to have as a priority? And at the same time, are there other aspects of a church where there should be freedom? And maybe one church specializes in this or another church specializes in that. Well, I think the main thing for for every church, and again, whether, you know, when you look out at the variety of churches, it is amazing to see the varieties of styles and personalities of churches. But what's non-negotiable, no matter what the denomination or the group or the style or the method of ministry, is that it really is about Jesus and a relationship with him. That's non-negotiable. It doesn't matter what the name is on the building or the denomination. It is always and only about Jesus. And the secondary non-negotiable is that every pastor, every person within the church should be 
mainly focused on the one thing that Jesus has given them to do in their church and in their communities. And to get caught up in trying to please headquarters or compare ourselves with other churches down the street, that is the death of a church, to try and just be seen as important, because the one we please is the Lord, and that's really it. So, Terry, are there certain aspects that every Christ-following church needs to adhere to versus are there other things that are less important and that can vary from church to church? Well, the amazing thing, I think, is the variety of churches and the fact that so many different churches have their different styles and convictions of what's important. And, of course, all of those need to be biblical and serving the Lord. Um, but even under that banner that we are, we have, uh, you know, we're doing what the Lord has called us to do. I think, uh, there needs to be great variety within the churches. Um, you had asked earlier about what is non-negotiable. I think within the variety of churches, um, what's non-negotiable is that the very purpose of every church is Jesus, in bringing people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, it doesn't matter the style of the church, the name, the denomination, what it is. We all serve one purpose, and that is to bring people into relationship with Jesus Christ. And then once they have that relationship, we're making disciples, which means that we are helping them to grow and mature into the image of Jesus Christ, Romans eight twenty nine, And the style of ministry might be different, but it all needs to serve the same purpose. Now, I think what's non-negotiable is that every pastor is doing and is accountable to the Lord for the ministry the Lord has given him. And uh, as I've said before, Sometimes we're trying to figure out exactly what the Lord has called me to do. And, and I need to discover that and be faithful to do it. And everyone in our churches needs to do the same thing. They're not just observers. They're not the audience. They're the congregation. And we are partners in the ministry. And they want to share in what the Lord is doing with the pastor and in that church as well. And that's the blessing. And the I think that the things that churches shouldn't be doing is merely trying to imitate what their denomination does or says is the most important, um, or trying to compete with another church down the street. Now, we all know that we shouldn't be competing with other churches, but we can't help but be distracted sometimes by what other churches are doing. And we just have to guard ourselves um, from what others are doing. Some churches are big, some churches are small, and we need to remember that the majority of churches in our country are small churches, meaning under 200 or even under 100. That is more the normal than the big church. And if I'm faithful enough, and serve the Lord long enough, then we can get to 500, or we can get to a 1,000. Those benchmarks are pitfalls, 
and we just need to guard ourselves from falling into those things. Our communities, wherever we serve, need us to do the one thing that God has called your church to do. Because if you don't do it, who is going to do it? Whether it's a, you know, a food ministry, a children's ministry, uh, we all do the variety of things, but I think often there is a main focus. Each church will have its main focus and emphasis for that ministry. So in your experience, Terry, is there an ideal range when it comes to the size of a church, the number of people in attendance? I don't think there is an ideal range. My opinion is the Lord sets the size of the church, and we need to just be faithful to serve the people he brings. And we remember that our job is to serve those people, so a church needs adequate staff to be able to do that, whether they are paid staff or elders or deacons or home study leaders or whoever it is. We're serving those people. We're partnering with those people to do the work of the ministry. Our job is not merely to run programs to get more people in a building. And some people are especially good at that. But remember, whatever the size is, we have to attend to them. And we're accountable to the Lord for doing that. Terry McNabb works with Poimen Ministries, pastors serving pastors to help these pastors serve churches more effectively for Christ. Check out their website, poimenministries.com, which I'll have linked up to our Facebook pages, and also on the truetalk100.com Difference Makers page. When we return, let's talk about how Poimen Ministries can help pastors to refocus right here on Difference Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers. I'm Mike Lee with my dear friend and mentor, Terry McNabb, the former senior pastor of Calvary Chapel, Portland, who now has been serving with Poiman Ministries, Pastors Surfing Pastures, which helps these pastors serve their congregations better. So, Terry, I love the fact that you've helped out so many churches of different sizes along the West Coast, and every single one that I've talked to has raved about when you've just been an ear to hear, or you've been a guest preacher for a week so that a pastor can take some time off. How does Poiman Ministries help pastors to refocus? Well, this is the main thing that I love to do is to help a pastor just get refocused, if that's what he needs, to just regain strength and to move ahead with what the Lord has called him to do. Now, here's the challenge of our ministries. The challenge is learning how to think differently about the same ministry we have been serving in for 3, 5, 10, 15 years. I need to do something different, but I don't know how to think differently. And so what I do is pastoral coaching, and that is not really teaching a pastor how to do the ministry. He already knows how to do that. But what I want to do is ask a series of questions and give him some tools so that he can take all of his experience and knowledge 
and see it in a different way and see what the Lord might be doing. But often it's getting back to the thing that he was excited to do at the beginning of his ministry. And again, so the years tend to sometimes cloud our vision. So there's five things that I'll touch on that I do with with pastoral coaching. And the first one is commission. We've talked about that, and that's just our calling. And I'll ask a pastor, tell me whether or not the Lord called you into the ministry. Because if God didn't call you into ministry, I I can't turn you into a pastor. He either chose you to do it or he didn't. And so that's important for a pastor to say yes I know that God called me to the ministry, because often when they're discouraged, they're questioning their calling. So we need to stop that and not not be questioning our calling. Uh, If you got it wrong, you can make a change. There's nothing to prove. But if God called you, then let's not waste time questioning your calling. Are you called? That's the commission. Number two is the vision. Commission, then vision. So the question is, if God called you, then the question is why? If God called you, he called you for a purpose. Tell me what that is. I don't know what it is. You're not going to get it out of a book. And sometimes a pastor will say, well, I just want to serve the people, or I just want to be a good Bible teacher. And I will say, that's great. You know, Bible teaching is a means to the vision, but it's not a vision in itself. If you say, I want to be a good Bible teacher, well, that's a good vision. That's a goal. But tell me what God put in your heart to accomplish in this city at this time. And anytime you look at at somebody that God has used in the Bible, you can name a name and think of the task God gave them to do. Whether you say Moses, you say Noah, you say Nehemiah, you say Paul, you automatically know the single purpose of their ministry. And I think we need more than a generic vision for our ministry, which is the Great Commission, go in all the world and make disciples. We need to know also a specific vision. What is my place in the general Great Commission? So if a, if a pastor doesn't know what that is, or he's forgotten it, we have to get back to what that is. And sometimes he's set it aside for the sake of running the church. And he thinks it's not, it's not that important, or it's, it's supposed to have taken a back seat to running the church. So we bring that vision and that purpose for God's calling back up to the front of his life and his ministry. And that is where the excitement starts to return to a discouraged pastor. Man, I would be so excited to do that. That one thing. I've always wanted to get back to that thing. And you see, you start to see the passion and the energy and the freshness come back. And the third thing of my coaching is mission. Now, vision is the goal. And mission is the actions we need to take to reach the goal. Sometimes we mix up vision and mission. Vision is the goal. Mission is the actions. Now, if this is the the vision or the goal of your ministry, 
start listing out all the actions that need to happen in your life or in this church in order to reach that goal. And that starts bringing a flood of fresh ideas. Start making lists of actions and ministries that need to be happening that aren't happening presently. And all of a sudden, he's got new life. He's got new vitality. It also, having that clarity of vision, also helps to understand what actions or ministries maybe they are doing that they shouldn't be doing because they're outside of the main calling for God on that pastor or that church. So commission, vision, mission, and once we have our list of activities, the, the mission, our actions, next is organization. Uh, some churches are well-organized, some churches are not. But essentially, it's not that we just need to be well-run. All of those activities need to find their their place and time to be the most productive they can be. And this is your yearly church calendar. It needs to serve as a tool for facilitating the activities and the mission of the church in order to fulfill the mission or the the vision that God has given to that church. Organization, the daily, the weekly, the monthly, the season by season, needs to serve a coordinated purpose. And it helps people to know when and where to serve and to find their place. We need to organize all of these activities. And instead of activities being random or whatever somebody just says they would be excited to do, now everything is working together in a coordinated effort, just like the body of Christ should be doing. And there is activity that, that starts to generate excitement and purpose within the church. And number five of these five things that I go through is communication. So it's commission, vision, mission, organization, and number five, communication. And communication is something that I think a lot of churches struggle with because they think they have announced it a couple of times, so everyone should know. But essentially, I want to talk about whatever the Lord is doing in the heart of the pastor or the leaders or the elders, the people in the church want to hear about it. They want to hear the exciting things that God is putting on the the pastor's heart to do. Because you see, they want to share in it. They want to be a part of it. And you know, it's so easy to keep these things a secret. Or we're just going to share it in little bits of information. But the vision, the mission of the church needs to permeate all the communication of the church, whether it's announcements on Sunday morning, the bulletin, if you still use a bulletin, the website, uh, our discussions uh, in small groups. Everything needs to filter down to the information of the church. And you would be amazed at how it revitalizes a church from the vision to its mission, to its organization, to the communication, 
everybody is now sharing in a common work and we're working together. And it is a simple process, actually, but you would be amazed at how essentially there has been a breakdown in one of these things. And this has come from my years of ministry, as well as a a coaching program I went through, and just the time of working with pastors. I had observed that, that this process of these five things weren't being attended to, and how simple, really, um, working through these things will bring back the vitality and the life of a church. And it doesn't matter if it's small or large, it really is about attending to what the Lord has called that church to do, making sure all the activities are serving that purpose— being organized in a in an intentional way and communicating thoroughly to everyone and it it just gets everybody involved and i will say it also helps visitors it helps visitors to know quickly what your church is about and how they can fit in they don't have to come for weeks and weeks and try and figure out what your what your church is about. And frankly, to, in today's church attendance, people don't have the patience for that anymore. They want to figure out what you're about quickly, or they're going to move on. And we need we can't be all things to all people, but we need to be confident about the one thing that God has called you to do, and get busy doing it. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with us, Terry McNabb of Poyman Ministries, about what we need to see in our churches, and especially now during this pandemic and church doors being closed. What should we know about the average pastor? In what ways can we pray for our pastors to lift them up? And how do we put boots on the ground and do that? Do they appreciate calls or texts or notes for the most part? Well, I think during this pandemic and the scrambling for churches to figure out how to stay connected to their churches, let me say, first of all, that this crisis is going to be good for the church because it's it's resetting our our ministries. It's forcing us to get out of routines that have become maybe in some ways unhealthy patterns. And you can still get back to the things that were productive, but this is shaking things up. This is a a pruning like we have not seen in a long time. And for all the pastors I've spoken to, uh, you know, I will call them wondering if they're discouraged, and I find out that they're really excited. They're excited because they are seeing um they're seeing new ways to connect with their people and they have discovered that their churches are becoming more more engaged and so pe- pastors do want to see our congregations volunteer and call and email and say how can i help but let me tell you that the churches i've seen that's exactly what's happening and it's exciting the pastors I've spoken to, because all of a sudden people that didn't know how to serve or where they might serve, they are stepping forward 
and they're saying, I can do this, I can run these errands. And things are getting mobilized and activated in a way that we haven't seen in a lot of years. So, um, pastors, you cannot do it all, but you have a vision and a passion that inspires your people. And they need to hear what that is, just to hear you humbly say, man, this is what the Lord has put in my heart. This is what I'd be excited to do. And the question is, church, how are we going to do it? I don't know how we're going to get all this done, but I believe the Lord wants to use the gifts that he's given to us. And I, I do believe that out of this lockdown is going to come a renewing of our churches um, that is going to be good for our country, and pastors are finding a voice uh, online and social media in ways that I think is is going to be uh, just amazing for our country and for the communities that we serve in. Let's not lose heart with the current situations we're going through today. Terry McNabb of Poorman Ministries, thank you so much for all of your help and encouragement and advice. And if you'd like to email Terry any questions of your own, his email address is terrymcnab at calvarychapel.com. And do check out the website, poymanministries.com. That's poymanministries.com. Terry, thanks so much for your time today and all you're doing throughout the community. Thank you so much, Mike. We'll be praying for all those uh, in our churches, the pastors that are listening, and uh, I would love to speak with anybody who wants to call me, uh, send me an email, and we're just here to serve, and it's our privilege to come alongside pastors. We have been there. We know the blessing as well as the challenges of ministry and are able to just talk with you honestly about how the Lord can just renew your ministry or even use your life to help other pastors around you. And uh, we look forward to that privilege. So pastors, don't isolate yourselves. Talk to Poyman Ministries and receive some great tools to help refresh you and your church. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers. Difference Makers.